Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Good Fight Podcast. My name is Denver, uh, and my partner Brian is not with us uh, today. He is in Arizona battling the the Arizona summer heat. However, I will say it's been pretty hot here in Utah. Uh, humidity is basically zero, and so it's a really dry heat. It's been kind of miserable. But anyways, um, got a great episode lined up for everybody. Um, and basically, I want to talk about the 2022 midterms coming up. I think this is a perfect time to get really educated on the thing. Um, we're just a couple months out, and I think it is the responsibility of obviously everybody in the country, but for you yourself as an individual in your state to be an expert on the key races in your state, um, because that's what it's going to take. Um, but it's also good to have a national perspective of what's going on, what are the other key races around the country, because it really could come down just to just a couple states and a couple elections that are really going to uh, be the path for our country. Uh, those states are going to are going to kind of uh, uh, be key, uh, be key in that. So we have to be aware of that, and uh, we're going to talk about that. Um, but I think the main focus is to just encourage everybody uh, to get as informed as you can um, on your state's elections, and um, and get as many people as you can out to vote, uh, because that is the main thing right now. Uh, that's basically all we can do. Um, as citizens in this country, and it's a great tool. So we have to exercise that. Um, so we'll get into all that in just a second, so stick around. Okay, and I'm back. Um, and I'm going to start off uh, this segment and we're going to talk about what's on the ballot this November. And you may know what's on the ballot. You know, there's a couple key issues. But we really need to get a full understanding of the real implications that this election can have. And one, I've gone through this a couple times. And once, once I first got a real understanding of what's actually, what, what could happen, I get fired up. I get fired up and I want to do everything I can personally to help good people win elections. Um, and so that's what I want to talk about. And then later we'll talk about more of who's on the ballot, where the key races are, etc. So when I was thinking of the implications, the first thing I thought of was the Supreme Court. What could happen to the Supreme Court? And I think if you take a look back at the 2020 election, um, there was a lot a lot of talk about packing the court um, with the debates, um, even in the primaries. But once we got to the general presidential election, uh, Donald Trump really, really pushed uh, Joe Biden, you know, asking him, are you going to pack the court? And he really nev never gave a clear answer. And in doing that, he pretty much gave an answer. And that is, you know, I think Joe Biden will seriously, seriously consider packing the court uh, if the Democrats, first of all, maintain control of the Senate, because it, it's weird. I mean, technically they have control. It's a 50-50 thing. But with uh, Kamala Harris as vice president, you know, they get the majority. But if they maintain major a majority and they gain seats, you know, that's where we have a real issue. And that is exactly where I could see 
a potential of packing the court. And mainly, I think this is even more of a possibility because of the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Um, they want to take advantage of this and use that as reasoning to pack the court. Um, and obviously, I disagree with that on many different levels, fundamentally especially. Um, but, but that is one of them. Um, and there has been a lot of talk of, you know, the Democrats, um, uh, having control of the white house, the Senate and the house, and then not doing much with that control. And I agree with that to a really good extent. However, I will say this, there are a few Democrats, um, in the Senate that have been really, really good. And I think everybody, uh, we can mention Joe Manchin. He has been a blockade for the Democrats' agenda. If it wasn't for him, and maybe one, maybe two others, but especially Joe Manchin right now, uh, we could be seeing a lot of uh, radical things going on, even more radical than things that have already gone on. However, uh, that's key right there. So that's why the Democrats need a few more seats to really push their agenda. So that's why this election in November is so, so important. Um, because if they do ma gain a couple seats in the Senate, all bets are off. And, um, you know, that, that's where we kind of get a little bit scary. And so I think the Supreme Court is the number one thing on the ballot. And we can go and list everything else to, uh, from... Uh, to, Gun rights, um, I think that's going to be another uh, major issue. Um, uh, they just passed some legislation. Uh, it was bipartisan. Um, but I do know that the Democrats do not want to stop there. Uh, they just see this as a baby step to what they really want to do. So I think that's kind of the main thing. But you really have to try to wrap your mind around what America could look a year from now. And that's what should motivate us to do everything in our power to not only educate ourselves on who to vote for, but rally all of our friends, all of our family to do the same thing. I have people in my family and a couple of my friends who don't vote. And the reasoning is, well, why does my vote count? And I could give you many instances. Um, the 2000 election, uh, Bush v. Gore in Florida, you know, that was not many votes that uh, George Bush uh, won by there. Uh, you can take a look. Uh, Dr. Oz uh, in Pennsylvania, he won the primary by something like 1,000 votes. Um, so things really, really come down to it uh, when it's all said and done. And we need everybody out to vote. Um, because we know the other side is motivated. And we have to not only match that motivation, but exceed it. And the only way we can do that is if we motivate ourselves and then motivate others. So uh, we're going to take a short break, do a version of a lightning round by myself, um, and then we'll come back and highlight some of the key states, key races, where we uh, really needed to keep, keep an eye on. So stick around and I'll be right back.
I am back for the lightning round. Um, actually, before we get to a couple of the uh, news topics of today, uh, I actually stumbled across uh, this uh, presidential fun fact list. Uh, and to tell you the truth, there, there's 46 fun facts, one about, one about each president. And I probably didn't know, I don't know, probably 42 out of the 46. They're really, really interesting. So I just wanted to uh, name off of a couple. Um, so the first one, George Washington, uh, I guess he was an enthusiastic dog breeder. Um, and, um, so that's something I had no idea, but I guess it was one of his hobbies. Um, another one, uh, James Madison, we all know, uh, he was short, but I guess he just weighed like basically 100 pounds, like 101 pounds. Um, I knew he was tiny, but, uh, that is pretty tiny. Um, Let's see, we have another one here, where, where did it go? Oh yeah, John Tyler, he had 15 children, um, which is the most of, of any president uh, by far. Um, let's see here, there's another one that I wanted to do. Oh yeah, I'll give you one more. Uh, so we've had a lot of presidents who have had White House pets. Uh, Andrew Johnson was alike. He had some White House pets, but they were mice. So he cared for a family of White House mice. And he called them the little fellows. <laughs> so I will link this fun fact list uh, in the resources because there's a lot more interesting ones. Um, so yeah, go ahead and take a look. It's actually kind of fun. So do that. Um, and then a couple of topics in the news today. Well, actually, it's been in the news for about a week now. But uh, Boris Johnson, uh, prime minister of uh, the UK, um, is no longer, and uh, that, that's kind of too bad. Um, I, for the most part, uh, liked uh, uh, Boris Johnson, um, and we're, we'll see who's going to gonna come up uh, here. Uh, I have heard rumblings that Ter uh, Theresa May, uh, she might uh, come back, <laughs> so I don't know if there's really any truth to that, but I just heard that. But that's definitely something to keep, a, keep an eye on, uh, as close as we are with um, uh, with uh, the United Kingdom. So that's going to be something uh, to watch there. Um, and then we've talked a lot on this podcast about Elon Musk and Twitter. Um, basically what has happened now is Elon Musk uh, tried to back out of the deal. Um, he wanted proof that less than 5% of Twitter uh, were bots, and they couldn't give that. And but what I mean by bots are basically fake accounts um and he wanted proof that there was less than less than 5% of Twitter users were bots he wanted proof of that Twitter couldn't give it to him so he backed out of the deal but now Twitter is suing Elon for backing out and they want him and Twitter wants to force Elon to buy Twitter for the 44 billion that he said he was going to so they're going to court um as far as i know and we're we're going to see what happens um it's kind of a weird situation, uh, to tell you the truth. Um, I think Elon would be a good thing for Twitter. Um, I probably over the last six months, you know, I've been really following him, um, and I really like you know his ideas. He's not so much uh, a Republican. He kind of comes out and says that. Um, according to him, he has never voted for a Republican, but he is coming out and saying, you know what. Um, the Democrats are really, really bad. 
Um, and he said that he will vote for the Republican nominee in 2024. So that's a great example of um, a person in our country who just does not identify with the Democratic Party anymore because they've just gone so radical. Um, so, you know, obviously that's a terrible thing. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. And then the last thing I just want to mention is um, uh, it, what it seems like Trump is going to probably announce his uh, campaign for the 2024 uh, presidency here, here pretty soon. And this is going to be really, really interesting to watch over the next uh, two and a half years. Um, I think Brian and I have been uh, pretty clear that we would like to see somebody else run. Um, I, I think Donald's uh, time has passed. Uh, he needs to kind of probably fall back in the shadows, either that or support somebody else for president. Uh, his time is over, I think. Uh, we need new uh, leadership. Um, um, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of stuff with Ron DeSantis. Um, so I don't know. It's going to be fun to watch, interesting to watch, something to pray about too. Um, absolutely. So uh, we'll go ahead and leave that there. And when we come back, we'll talk about um, some of the key races here in the country in the 2022 November midterms. Be right back. All right, and I am back to talk about who is on the ballot. Uh, so there is way too much, obviously, to go through everything uh, we have in this election. But I'm going to highlight some things that I think are important. Uh, I'm going to talk a good amount about California. Um, I think mainly because a large group of our listeners are from California. Um, so the first thing I want to start with on California is it is almost embarrassing how much uh, coverage there is on the November midterm elections. And I mean embarrassing because there's not enough. Um, it's almost like they don't want you to know that Gavin Newsom is up for re-election. They almost don't want you to know that Alex Padilla uh, is running for, I, I guess it would be re-election, but he never even got elected in the first place. Uh, he just was appointed to uh, replace Kamala Harris by Gavin Newsom. So um, I'm going to start there. Um with the California United States Senate seat that is on the ballot this November. Uh, so we went through the primaries, and um, uh, Mark Moisier, I think, is his name. Um, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, Moisier. Um, and he is running against uh, Alex Padilla. Um, and actually, Mark Moisier won the primary uh Pretty much, he, he was contested. I think there was probably twenty-three or twenty-four other people on the ballot uh, running for that, but he was able to take that. So that's actually a, a very important spot. There, we talked earlier about how important the Senate is, and though it is fairly, you know, I, I don't want to, uh, I, I don't even want to say this, but I, it, it's unlikely that Mark Moisier is going to going to win. But that doesn't mean we can't sit back. And because we have that kind of idea in the back of our head, doesn't mean we should go out and fight. 
uh, and I mean fight figuratively. Uh, so I, I, I want to make that clear, obviously. Uh, coming off of the January 6 hearings and uh, everything we've been hearing, uh, they've been taking words from uh, like Trump's speech, and he's been saying, you know, he told everybody we need to fight every and everything, and they're taking that literally. Um, anyways, that's kind of uh, a story for another day. But I mean fight figuratively, and very strongly is exactly what we need to do. Um, it's not impossible, though. It's absolutely not impossible. Um, because if we can get enough voters to realize the direction that we're going, led by Democrats, is the wrong way, then we have a chance. Um, and this is huge, uh, Moisier versus Padilla. Um, and Alex Padilla, he's really not a strong candidate. Uh, he's actually one person that I have met, uh, and, and uh, I've, I've listened to him speak in person. I, I've shaken his hand. He's really not that impressive. He really isn't. Um, and um, I've watched a good amount uh, of what Mark Moisier has to say, um, and he would be an absolute uh, breath of fresh air uh, in that spot. So that's a very important thing to keep an eye on. Next, uh, we all know, uh, if you're listening to the podcast, you know uh, that Gavin Newsom is up for re-election. And um, how cool would it be <laughs> to have uh, Brian Dale, or Brian Dolly, uh, as governor? Um, again, he's, he's not the strongest candidate. I've listened to him speak, and I'm not the most impressed with him, but he would be, obviously, miles better than Gavin Newsom. Anybody would be better than Gavin Newsom, probably. Um, but, you know, that's another possibility. And, um, you know, what, what are things that you can do that would, you know, maybe increase our chances? And I, I really do believe in yard signs. I believe in yard signs. I even believe in t-shirts. Um, I've thought about Brian, buying, uh, one of Brian Dolly's uh, t-shirts, because if you go around wearing that, you know, you don't know who sees it. You don't know what kind of conversation it's going to spark. Um, one conversation you have with an individual could one persuade their vote and maybe persuade a couple other votes that they uh, of their friends that they can persuade. So it, it can create a chain reaction. That's why talking to people um, is so important in this type of voting process. Um, and then the last thing in California I want to talk about is actually Politico uh, talked about some of the, the I think they listed nine key house races and one of them is california's 27th district uh, with mike garcia and uh, who's the republican incumbent um and that was a huge surprise when he won uh, because joe biden uh, won that area by 13 points um so uh that's something if you live uh, in the 27th district or know somebody please please reach out to them do everything you can uh, to support Mike Garcia, <clears throat> because we really don't want to lose that seat. Uh, that was a huge win, uh, so we want to keep that one um, uh, for the House. So that that's California, um, and now I want to transition more uh, to the uh, the Senate races, uh, a couple of the key ones, um, and I think I mentioned earlier that Politico says that Arizona, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Wisconsin, and Nevada are kind of the key ones. I want to lock in on Pennsylvania and Wisconsin as our, our two main ones. And, you know, I, I will mention Arizona right now because Arizona, um, I really thought it was going to go red uh, in the presidential election, and it didn't. Um, so that's another one to keep an eye on. But let's start with Pennsylvania. Um, 
I so obviously we're here we're rooting for Dr. Oz. I'm not a big Dr. Oz fan. He kind of seems I don't know, kind of like a puppet for one. Um and two, he has changed his views. He's been a flip-flopper. Um but that being said, we need him to win this race. Um and it, it this is probably in my opinion, this is going to be the closest race Senate United States Senate race in the entire country. Um and so uh he's running against John Fetterman. Um so and, and Dr. Oz only won the Republican nomination by about a thousand votes. So this is something to keep an eye on. And I have been a big supporter for people who say if you live in Texas, you know, um and if you have the extra money, it would be a great thing if you're able to donate to somebody who's running in Wisconsin, you know? You don't have to only focus on your state because this is a nationwide uh, ordeal that's going on here. Um, so this is one that I'm kind of bouncing back and forth um, because I think Pennsylvania is so key, not only in this election, but the future elections, but it's going to forecast for 2024. You know, how are, how are Pennsylvanians thinking... Um, you know, the Democratic Party is doing a control. That's kind of how we're testing the waters here. Um, so if Dr. Oz was a better candidate, I would really consider um, donating some money here because I think this is the most key uh, Senate election uh, this year. Um, and I still may donate. I just, I don't know. Um, I'm leaning probably towards no, but... Um, it's definitely a big one. And the next one I want to go to um, is Wisconsin. Wisconsin is always um, a big deal. Um, but uh, so the GOP senator, Ron Johnson, uh, he announced that he was going to seek a third term. Um, and so we're going to see here, uh, Democrats um, in this uh, in this election, there's a lot of people. <laughs> uh, it's a crowded primary in, uh, coming into this late summer. Um so we'll have to see. So the the race won't be set until three months before the November election. Um, to to so I, probably in August is when we will see uh, the Democratic nominee there. Um, so I, this one, like I said, it's one of the more important ones. Um, and along with Pennsylvania, it's more of the toss up. Uh, we have you know Ron Johnson as the incumbent. Um, which is a good thing, but um, from my research, it looks like Wisconsin is kind of fed up uh, with Ron Johnson on a couple different issues. Um, so I think once we know who the Democratic nominee is going to be, then we can gauge it a little bit more. Um, but it's definitely something that we uh, should watch out for. Um, and just to kind of uh, review a little bit, um, so I, I talked about the toss-up states, and then there's two more um, that I would actually add into there. Uh, the first one would be uh, North Carolina. Um, and then the other one what would be New Hampshire. Um, and I think I mentioned this, but I, the midterm elections always give you a forecast on how the voters are feeling. Um, and so this is going to be very telling to what 2024 is going to look like. Um, but Anyways, uh, I want to reiterate for the last time that whatever state that you live in, 
do your absolute best to do your research on the people that are running, the races that are open, because as I mentioned, California is doing a very bad job at um, election news. Um, and, you know, you can uh, look up you know, California November midterm elections and you'll see almost nothing about Gavin Newsom, very little about the United States Senate, and then a decent amount about uh, kind of, you know, the district elections and, and stuff like that. Uh, but it's just not putting, being put out in the media as much as it should. Um, and people are not um, realizing there's probably a good amount of people that don't know that in California there's a United States senator that is on the ballot. Um, and, and that's the whole point of this episode is to put this information out there that these are the races that we need to keep an eye on. These are the races that are up. Um, and we need to to watch and get everybody that we know to know about it, um, uh, because this this is you know in my lifetime um, the most important midterm election uh, at this critical moment in history with uh, everything from the Supreme Court to gun rights um, to you know the the list goes on. So. Um, that was the whole point of this episode is to put that information out there so people know, and then you can kind of take it off from there. Um, but yeah, so uh, I'll go ahead and pause and I'll be right back with our conclusion. And I am back with the conclusion. Um, and I just want to really encourage everybody. Um, I know there's so much in our country to feel down about. Um, I feel you and I hear you. Uh, because it is really exhausting, to be totally honest with you, to, to read and hear the news. It's just one thing after the other. However, we have to be encouraged and have enthusiasm about possibilities uh, the possibilities of the people who we can elect and change the direction in our country um, there is so much to be excited about uh, when you think of those different types of possibilities uh, and we can't feel down uh, because once we feel down uh, we're not going to want to we, we want to see change but we're not going to really want to act on that change because we feel down so we have to feel encouraged we have to uh, uh, light that fire in ourselves and try to uh, pass that on off to others. So this election starts now. It doesn't start in November. It begins now. It begins now with the work towards no November. Because, yeah, elections may be won on election day, but the work towards winning, you know, that, that starts now. And you see all these, uh, these people campaigning. We have to be right along with them in that campaign. It's not just their job. It's our job as well. Uh, you know, this is the people's government, and we have to be active. Uh, that's the only way our government is going to work. If we just sit back, it's not going to look like what we want it to be, which kind of leads us to the quote of the week I have, um, and it is by Thomas Jefferson, and this is what Thomas Jefferson says. We do not have government by the majority 
we have government by the majority who participate. I'll read that one more time. We do not have government by the majority. We have government by the majority who participate. And that is so well said because, well, for one, it's true. But two, I yeah, we have, I, I think, oh, I don't know. I, I forgot the number. I just did a paper on election integrity and election participation. And we're hovering right around maybe 60% participation in like the, the big 2024, 2020, 2016, those types of uh, presidential election years. We're hovering right around 60%. And then if you take midterm elections, it's down about 16 to 20% each year. So you're looking at sometimes less than the majority of active voters are actually voting in midterm elections. And that's totally unacceptable. We cannot have a government represented by the people, as Thomas Jefferson said, if the majority of the people don't participate. It's our job. It's our duty as citizens to vote. Um, and if not, then the government is not representative of the people. So I hope that encourages everybody. Um, uh, we really thank you guys for listening. Uh, we also love hearing from everybody. It's very encouraging when we get emails. Um, uh, our, our email is goodfight71 at gmail.com. We have a Facebook page that we post all the resources up with, um, and that's just Good Fight. Um, that's the name of it. Um, and if, you, if you're not on Facebook and you'd like to be uh, added to the email list where we uh, send the link to the podcast and... Uh, we give you the resources as well. Let us know. We'll add your, your email. Um, but other than that, we I, I thank you for listening today. Uh, we will be back next week, I think. Um, and until then, keep up the good fight and God bless.